Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. It's the last time you have to watch that video. I know. I'm, we can get a copy of it for you, though, if you want to, like, Friday night, need, a, need something to watch. Now, this is our last message in the book of Mark, and before we dive in, I wanted to uh, just share something with you, something that uh, people, one of the questions we get here a lot, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, is, hey, how do, what's the best way to get connected here? I see a next steps table, I you know, hear you guys make some announcements about different stuff, and, and really the, the best way to get connected here by far is by joining a city group. And uh, our city groups, we actually have seven of them now. Uh, they actually start this week. Our first one is starts tonight. Uh, Luke is actually leading a city group, a brand new one. And so we've got seven and you can go right on the website and, and kind of look and see what night works for you and that type of stuff. But it, it's a really, really great way to get connected. And I know if you've never been to a city group, you're like, I don't know, a little intimidating. I promise once you go first time, you'll be like, oh, well, that was good. I'm really glad that I went. And so check out the website, and I encourage you to get connected. If you have some questions, you can stop by the Next Steps table, and we'll be glad to answer those questions and kind of help you find the, the group that's best for you. Uh, over the last few months, and maybe you would relate with this, the word that I've kind of had to deal with in my life over probably the last 18 months, and really this whole COVID time is the word, it's kind of come back up, is flexibility. And, and, and here's what I mean, and, and you've had this happen. Several times in the last season or two, you, you know, we've had different plans, I've had different plans, and we've had, you know, directions that we're going to go, per, whether it was personally or for the church, and, and then something out of the ordinary happens, something unexpected happens, and like everything changes, the direction has to change, it has to get postponed, and so flexibility has been kind of the word of the season for me. And for us, kind of how this played out most recently, and it probably, you probably will be able to say, yep, that's about how it played out at our house. Three weeks ago, we had someone over at our house that the next, for lunch, and the next day we found out that person had COVID. And so Julia's like, I think I have a, starting to get a sore throat. And so, you know, within a day or two, all of us take tests. And, and bottom line, we decide that because of the test, three of us had it, that, okay, well, all our plans for the next two weeks have just totally changed. And, you know, this is the wall I'm going to look at for the next t t 10 days. Which wall are you going to look at? And that's basically what we did. We made sure all our subscriptions to our streaming services were up to date. So we had a lot of content to watch, but, but we had to, you know, kind of hunker in just like you had to do when it probably happened to you. And it, it changed everything. And whether it was COVID or whether it's something else in your life, every single one of us can relate to, man, having a plan, having a direction, and then an event taking place that changes a lot. 
Yesterday, we celebrated, I won't say celebrated, we remembered an event that as a nation, 20 years ago, that is a really good example of that. An event that, man, no one expected, but yet everyone that experienced 9-11 20 years ago was affected. And you've experienced that type of thing in your personal life. You've experienced it, you know, in groups that you're a part of. We've experienced it as a nation. We've all experienced events and things happening that really changed the direction of our life, changed the things that we were about to do, changed maybe a way that we think, and and really had a, a huge effect on our life. And over the last few weeks, in fact, over the summer, we have been walking through an account that Mark wrote, he and Peter actually wrote this, and kind of that's where Mark got most of his information. But he, he wrote an account of Jesus' life, and at the very end of this account, really with the last few paragraphs that he has, he tells us about that type of event for him. He, he tells us about an event that for Mark changed everything for him. And in fact, the same event that changed everything for Mark, I think about my own life, that same event has affected my life drastically. In fact, if the event that we're going to talk about didn't happen, I wouldn't be a pastor for sure. I wouldn't be a follower of Jesus. I probably could, would, would not really care that much about the Bible. I don't think I would even, I wouldn't be worth much as a dad or a husband if the event that changed Mark's life wouldn't have happened, it would have affected my life in a big way too. And I think it probably would have affected yours the same way. See, this event changed everything for Mark. It changed everything for Peter. It changed everything for the disciples. And it has been changing everything for a lot of people over the last 2,000 years. And that event is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And whether you believe it is true or not, we can all agree that if Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. Even if you don't buy that, even if you're skeptical about it, we can all agree that if it really happened, if a guy really said, predicted his own death, predicted his own resurrection, and actually pulled it off, if that really happened, then it changes everything. And Mark used the last few sentences, really the last few paragraphs of his account of Jesus' life to tell us about this event. See, earlier, just to catch you up, it's the week that Jesus has died, Thursday night, they have dinner together with Jesus. We know that event as the Last Supper. And after they have some dinner with Jesus, Jesus takes a few of his kind of closest followers and they go to a, a garden and he spends some time praying with them. And after he's done praying with them and kind of in the middle of the night, kind of early into Friday morning, some some people come, some guards come, and they take Jesus and he's arrested. He's put on trial all night. They bring false witnesses in to to testify against him. They they beat him and, and torture him and just a lot of bad stuff happens. And then they hand him over, and we talked a little bit about this last week, He they hand him over to kind of the professionals, they hand them over to the Romans. And the Romans are professional killers. That's what they do. You know, that's just kind of how they do things. And Jesus is crucified. We talked a little bit about that last week. And then what happens is after Jesus is crucified on Friday, they, 
take his body and they put it into a tomb and they have a stone that's rolled in front of that tomb and actually soldiers guard that tomb. They seal that tomb with a Caesar's seal and they put Roman soldiers around the tomb to guard the tomb. And then Mark picks up the story on Saturday night. It says this in Mark chapter 16. It says, when the Sabbath was over, so that would be sundown on Saturday evening, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they could go and anoint him. In this day and age, specifically with the Jews, they, uh, what they would do is they would They would anoint bodies so that they wouldn't smell, and it was kind of a way to show their love for the person. And so that's what these ladies are about to do. They that Saturday night, now they're able to, they weren't even on the Sabbath, you're not allowed to like go shopping and do that stuff. But now it's Saturday evening, so the Sabbath is it's over, and so they go, they get the spices they're 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 wanting to get, and and they're on their their plan is to take these spices and anoint Jesus' body. Maybe they think the guys didn't do a good job. Uh, when they put his body in the, in the tomb and said, you know what? The guys didn't do a good job, so we're going to go fix it. And so that's kind of what they do. They plan on that. And, and then what happens is, and, and, and Mark goes into it a little bit more, uh, he, he talks about what happens. And here's, here's something that's really important, especially if you're a little bit skeptical of this whole thing. The fact that Mark tells us that women were coming on the third day after Jesus' burial tells us a couple things. So, so Mark, he opens up this portion of his story right at the end by, by telling us that, hey, these women are preparing to go. They're going to go Sunday morning early, and they're going to uh, anoint the body. And, and the fact that Mark tells us that is really important, and here's why. It tells us that no one expected Jesus to rise from the dead. The women that were headed to the tomb didn't expect it. The disciples that were afraid and they were hiding, they didn't expect it. There there were no cameras outside of Jesus' grave. The media wasn't there to get the first picture of Jesus when he came out of the grave. Nobody expected that Jesus was going to rise from the grave. These ladies went on Sunday morning and they expected to find Jesus' body. Because no one expected him to rise from the dead. But the second thing it tells us, and this is important... Especially if you're a little bit skeptical of this. And I get it. The events that actually took place uh, by, by Mark telling us that women were the first ones to go to the tomb. It tells us that that actually happened. You say, why, why, is, why is it proved that that happened? Because here's something really important to know. In this day and age, a woman's testimony couldn't even be used in the court of law. It, they, they, were, they didn't consider women credible witnesses. So for Mark to say that women were the first to the tomb actually took his story and made it less credible. So if Mark were making up a lie, he would never ever say that women were the ones that went because by saying that, it actually made it less credible. And so the reason that Mark said, hey, women were going to the tomb is because that's exactly what happened. And Mark continues on in the story, he says, very early in the morning, so this is Sunday, on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, hey, who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? 
I mean, they, didn't, they probably even in their mind, they didn't even know that there were soldiers there, and they didn't even know that it had been sealed. They were just thinking like, y'all remember how big that rock was? I mean, you've been working out? You good? I mean, maybe we can just get behind it. And put, I don't know. They, they kind of wondered, how are we even going to push the stone away? But I, I guess they figured they would have an, uh, you know, some type of solution because they kept going. And then it says this, looking up as they, as they got to the, the tomb, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. So, I mean, to their surprise, they get there and they're oh, man, somebody's already done that for us. They were excited. Man, the stone's been rolled away. This is good. And then it says this in verse 5. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man, an angel, dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. Have you ever scared somebody on accident. I did that this morning with Chris at the coffee area. I accidentally scared her, walked up behind her and scared her. And you've had that happen. I mean, think about it. Like you've had somebody like jump out of kind of the closet or something like that and scare you. Just the other day, Victoria, she, uh, some of you know Victoria, she lives at our house and I was coming home and she thought it was Lori. And so she was in our hallway kind of hiding and she had silly string and she was like going to blast Lori and thank God she quickly noticed that obviously I'm not Lori and so I didn't get blasted but she was ready to scare it and, and you've probably done some of that stuff like where, where you you walk somewhere and you scared somebody or, or you were the one that 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 was walking somewhere and somebody jumped out at you well that's what happens to these ladies like they, they walk into the tomb they're expecting to do kind of what they came to do and all of a sudden out of the corner of their eye they see a dude like sitting there in a white robe and you can, you can read what Mark writes. I mean, this was slightly overwhelming to them. It says, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. I mean, they were overwhelmed. They were distressed. Of course they were. And so the, the guy, angel, he says this, don't be alarmed. Easier said than done. But he told them, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him. He's basically saying, like, you, you came to the right place. Go, go ahead. Look, look around. Look around. Make sure there, there's, there's no Jesus here anymore. Jesus of Nazareth, who was buried here, the one you came to look for, his body's not here anymore. He's risen from the dead. And, and, and what's interesting is, as he's saying this, they begin to realize, and they don't even, and you'll see this in the story, like, they don't even have words to say. They don't know what to say. This is so crazy to them that there's no body. They're looking around. There's no body there. See, something undeniable in history has happened. Jesus died they put his body in a grave, and three days later, the body was no longer there. It was gone. That's, that's historical. That's not just biblical. Like there's, There was no body in the grave. If you're here and you're, you're a little skeptical, I get it. Get it. But, but I would encourage you to lean in and at least reconsider this idea of the resurrection. Because even Jesus' enemies couldn't deny this. Even the religious leaders of the day, the people that hated Jesus, the people that had him killed, 
Even they believed that the body was gone. I mean, they didn't want to admit that Jesus rose from the dead, but they admitted that, hey, three days ago, there was a body in this grave. Three days later, there's not a body in the grave anymore. And so what, what these guys did is because obviously they're not going to admit that Jesus actually rose from the dead because that would kind of change everything. So what they did is they floated a story and, and the story that they floated, which they weren't, they needed to fire whoever made up this story because this wasn't even a good story. It's like, you guys can do better than this. They, th their story that they floated was those, those disciples, those disciples of Jesus, they, they stole the body. And you think, oh, that might be a decent story, but, but, but let's just think back. So you're telling me that the dudes who did not stand up for Jesus the night that he was taken, those same guys risk their lives to steal a dead body. They wouldn't stand up for him when he was alive, but those same guys that were so afraid the night he was taken got bold enough to actually go steal the body from a tomb guarded by Roman soldiers. I mean, Mark, he's so brutally honest in his, in his book. He's so brutally honest. He says of himself, you know what happened? You know what I was doing the night Jesus was arrested? I was so scared. I ran out of the, the, the garden with no clothes on. Like, I was so scared. I didn't even care. Like, I left my clothes. I, I just went. I was so afraid. Mark, Mark he admits, and, and again, Peter helped him write this. So, says that, you know what happened to Peter on that night? He was so afraid that he denied even knowing Jesus, not to a Roman soldier, to a middle school girl, because he was so scared the night that Jesus was taken. Yet the religious leaders tried their best to convince people that these guys that were so afraid three days earlier decided to go steal a body and fight Roman soldiers all in the mix, and that, that's, that was their story. Because here's what they knew. They knew if Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. And so they could not get to that. They could not admit that because if Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. A after seeing that Jesus wasn't in there, Mark tells us what the ladies did next. It says this, the angel says to them, hey, go, go tell the disciples and, and Peter. So go talk to the disciples, but also tell Peter, because he was the one that night that denied even knowing Jesus, so make sure he's still okay too. But, but, but go, go talk to the guys and tell him. Tell him that he's going to go ahead of you to Galilee, and you're going to see him there, just as he told you. See, Jesus had several times, it was like a mom to their teenage kid. And you can relate with this. Like where you tell your kids something seven times as clearly as possible. You write a note, put it in their lunch with the same message on it. You send them a text. Like you've told them the same thing 400 times and yet they totally don't get it. Well, that's what happened with Jesus and his disciples. He had told them 100 times like, hey guys, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise from the dead. Guys, did you hear me? I just want to make sure you know I'm going to die, rise from the dead. And he, he went over it with them several times, but they totally didn't get it. But, but the angel says, hey, go tell the guys that what Jesus said a hundred times, it's actually happening. 
He's going to meet you guys in Galilee. Go up to the Starbucks in Galilee. Y'all take a seat, get you something to drink. He'll meet you there. Probably wasn't Starbucks, but, but that's maybe the same idea. And, and it says this. So they went out. They, they went, man. They ran from the tomb. They were trembling and, aston- and astonishment overwhelmed them. They said nothing to anyone since they were so afraid. So they left. And you've had times like this in your life where, man, you were so excited about something or so overwhelmed with something, you literally did not have words. Like you couldn't say anything. And that's where these, they're they're just running from the tomb to go talk to the disciples, but they're not even saying anything to each other because they have just been overwhelmed with this idea that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. And they didn't really know what to do with that. Mark's account kind of finishes by him telling us of other interactions that the risen Jesus had with his followers over the next few days. So these women, they're, they're running, they're, they're running to, to talk to the disciples. And then Mark tells us in, in verse 9 that another lady named Mary saw Jesus. It says this in verse 9. Early on the first day of the week, so the same morning that these ladies had been to the tomb, that same morning, it says this. Early on the first day of the week after he had risen, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and reported those to those who had been with him, and as they were mourning and weeping, yet when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. So you have Mary Magdalene, who's going to tell the disciples. You have these other ladies. Uh, that's also there's a lady in there named Mary that's going to tell. And, and, and you'll, you'll notice as you read, like when these ladies came to report... The guys were like, you, you guys have been smoking crack. What, what are you talking about? This is crazy. And, and they just blew them off. Like they didn't believe. And it says in verse 12, after this, he appeared in a different form to two of them walking on their way into the country. So two of the guys that probably told Mary and these other ladies, hey, you're, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Jesus appeared to them. And you know what they did? We got to go tell the guys that the girls weren't lying. So, so they go and they tell, and it says they went and reported it to the rest, and they didn't believe them either. So, I mean, they, there's been a few people that have come and said, hey, this Jesus, member, I mean, he, I, you guys kind of remember how he said he was going to rise from the dead? Well, he actually did it. I actually saw him. And they're like, stop, stop it. Just stop. Leave, go. And so eventually, Jesus shows up. To the, to the guys that are saying, stop, you guys are lying to us, we don't believe you. And it says this in verse 14, later he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, probably at dinner that night. They had probably heard from the girls and they probably heard from these other two guys that had seen Jesus and, and they're, you know, eating Sunday night, maybe the Sunday night football's on and they're kind of watching it and they're just kind of eating by the table and Jesus appears And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they didn't believe those who saw him after he had risen. They had rejected the testimony of several people that were eyewitnesses of Jesus rising from the dead. 
And after that evening, when they saw Jesus, after they saw the risen Jesus, what Jesus did is he gave them a clear mission. He gave these men, a, these men and women a clear mission, and honestly, for the rest of their lives, from this moment on, they would give the rest of their lives to the mission that the risen Savior gave them that evening. And here's what that mission was. Here's what Jesus told them. It says this, Then he said to them, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I want you to go into all the world and I want you to tell people the good news. So what's the good news? What's the gospel? It's kind of a churchy word, but what's the good news? And and here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross and died for the sin of the world. They put his body in a grave and He rose from the grave, and he offers you a relationship with God. That's the good news. And so he tells these guys, guys, this is what I want you to give the rest of your life for. I want you to go around the world and tell people the good news. Tell them the gospel. I want you to take it to everybody. And he says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. He says... When people believe in the gospel, they, they're saved. And then after they're saved, they show the world they're saved by being baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. It doesn't give you a relationship with God. It just tells you that you have a relationship with God. It tells the world. It's like last Thursday. Last Thursday evening was a little nerve-wracking for me, but it was exciting by the end of the evening. The Bucks played their first game, and if most of you know, I'm from Tampa, so Tampa, we had a good year last year, and so, you know, we're hoping that that good year at least lasts one more, one more year, hopefully get one more good year out of this, so man, they were playing the Dallas Cowboys, and so all day on Thursday, I'm wearing my Tampa Bay Bucks hat, I ever, you know, d- different places I go, people are like, oh, you, you, know, you just like them because they won the Super Bowl, no, I actually liked them back when they were awful because that's where I grew up. Uh, But I was wearing that hat, and me wearing that hat doesn't make me a fan of the Bucks. Just like me wearing this salmon shirt doesn't make me like to fish for salmon. Like it just was just pink shirt, salmon. If you're a guy, it's pink if you're a girl. Uh, But 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 me wearing a hat that says Buccaneers doesn't make me a fan. It just tells you that I'm a fan. Just like me wearing this wedding ring doesn't make me married, it just tells you that I'm married. Baptism doesn't make you a follower of Jesus, it doesn't give you a relationship with God. What it does is it tells the world that you have a relationship with God. And so Jesus tells these guys, I want you to go, I want you to tell people the good news. And when they embrace this good news, when they become followers of me, I want you to baptize them. I want, I want the world to know that they have done this. I want you to do that. And it says this in verse 20, and they went out and they preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the words by accompanying signs. These men who were cowards the night Jesus was taken. And they, these are the same men that blew off all the first people that said Jesus rose from the grave. These same men gave themselves to the mission that Jesus gave them. 
And they gave themselves not because of what Jesus said. They didn't give themselves to the mission because of something they believed. They gave themselves to the mission because of something that they saw. They saw a risen Savior. And it changed everything. See, if Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. I mean, consider this. If if Jesus rose from the dead, it means we can trust what he said about relationships, about money, about sex, about, and you, you can fill in the blanks. If Jesus really rose from the dead, then all the things that he said before that happened, like we can trust those things if he rose from the dead. It means that despite knowing every rebellion, every sin, every lie that we've told, it means that he took the punishment. If he really rose from the dead, then when he died on the cross, it means that he had the ability to take all of our sin on himself and pay for it. And because of his death, it really writes really across all of history, it is finished was written across all humanity. Like if Jesus really rose from the dead, that means the payment that he made for our sins was enough. If he really rose from the dead. And maybe you push back a little bit and you're like, dude, you don't know what I've done. I get it, I get it, I get you. Yeah, you, you Chris, you probably grew up in a good home and you didn't do, you'd be surprised, but... You look at your life and you maybe put yourself like, man, I've, I've done so much that you don't know about, that nobody knows about. And like, I get it. Jesus died to save some people and he's helped some people and he's made some people's lives different, but not me. I'm too far. And, he, and here's what I would say to you, whether you're watching online or you're here. If Jesus rose from the dead, it means no matter what your situation, hope is available. No matter what your situation, no matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what is in your past, no matter what you feel is like, man, this is what disqualifies me from you know, having a relationship with God, no matter what that is, no matter where you feel hopeless, if he really rose from the dead, then it shows us that hope's available. But we don't believe it because we want it to be true. We don't believe it because, you know, some person when I was five years old had a flannel graph board with a cross and a tomb and told me a cool story about Jesus getting up out of the grave. We don't believe it just because we want it to be true. We believe it because it happened in history. A guy named Matthew saw Jesus and wrote what he saw. A guy named Mark who we've looked at. He interviewed Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, and he wrote what they saw. A guy named Luke, who was a doctor, investigated thoroughly, interviewed a ton of people, all that took place, and he wrote it. And we have that. A guy named John, who after he heard that Jesus had risen from the grave, he actually ran to the tomb to look for himself. And then he wrote about it. A guy named James, and I mean, how legit is this, that was the brother of Jesus, 
I mean, how crazy would you even have to be to think that your brother was the savior of the world, to admit that? And James didn't for a while. It wasn't, in fact, he, he didn't buy the whole thing. He, he, if you read about James and you read in his writings, he didn't buy the whole, my brother's the savior of the world, the Messiah. That wasn't, he wasn't like, dude, I, I've been in the bathroom after him and his stuff smells just like mine. I, he is not the savior of the world. I am not giving him that. Until he saw his brother risen. And then he said, you are what you say you are. James, his brother. Then there was this guy named Paul, who for the first few years of his life, his, his adult life, he spent his whole like, time, all his effort, all his thoughts, he actually put into killing Christians, to stopping the move of Jesus until he saw the risen Savior, and the risen Savior spoke to him. And then he became the greatest catalyst for church planting, the greatest catalyst for the expansion of the message of any person in the early church. See, we believe Jesus rose from the dead because eyewitnesses gave their lives, not for what they believed, but for what they saw. They saw a risen Savior. And if Jesus rose from the grave, if he really rose from the dead, it changes everything. You might be here and you'd say, you know what, or maybe you're watching online or listening on a podcast right now, and you'd say, Chris, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of the whole thing. I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm a little skeptical. I've got some reasons for that. Here, here's what I would say. In, in spite of being hurt by the church, maybe you were, in spite of your big questions about the Bible that you're not sure of, in spite of the crazy things that you've seen people that call themselves Jesus followers do and then they sign Jesus' name to it, in spite of some of that craziness, you should reconsider becoming a follower of Jesus. In spite of all those things that have, uh, maybe for good reason, at least in your mind, have kept you from following Jesus, have kept you from buying in some of the stuff that you've seen, some of the hurt you felt by religious people, in spite of all of that, you should still consider becoming a follower of Jesus. Because if Jesus really rose from the dead, in spite of all the craziness, you should consider following Jesus. And, and just really ask yourself this question, because this is what it comes down. Is Jesus alive? Is Jesus alive? If he is, it validates what he said, and it has huge ramifications on our lives and our eternity. And, and, and here's what he wants. It's not like he's, he doesn't want, he's not coming to make your life miserable. He, he just wants a relationship with you. Like he went to the cross and he paid for sin and he rose from the grave not to make your life miserable nor to kind of press you and, and, and make you go all the directions that you would hate going. No, he came because he wants a relationship with you. And just like the, the fact that he rose from the grave changes everything, also when you start a relationship with Jesus, it changes everything too. You say, Chris, how would I do that? Well, it's pretty simple. He did the heavy lifting for us. 
It's simple. Are you willing to admit to God that you're a sinner? Like, are you willing to come to a place in your own life and say, you know what, whether you're online or here, like, yeah, I've done some stuff. Yeah, I've uh, disobeyed God some in my life. Because some, in some way in our mind, we think like, good people get a relationship with God, bad people are, don't. That's like, nothing could be further from the truth, because we're all bad. We're, like we, 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 in our mind, we like level out who's worse, but at the end of the day, God doesn't. We've all sinned. We've all disobeyed God. And so you, in order to have a relationship with God, you got to admit, oh yeah, I have. I've, I've broken your law. I've, I admit I've sinned. And then you got to believe. You got to believe that when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave, he did that for you. He did that because somebody had to pay. And he loved you so much, he didn't want you to be the one. And then you just have to call on him. Just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're sitting as you're watching this, just call on him and say, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. Come into my life. Transform me. I want a relationship with you. That's what it takes. And the scripture says that when he enters our life, It doesn't make everything great all the time. And if somebody told you that, they were lying to you. Doesn't mean, oh, if I follow Jesus, my life's perfect. No, it doesn't. But here's what it does mean. In the midst of the tough times in life, I have a relationship with God that sustains me. And if you're here or you're watching online and and, you put yourself in that category, maybe a little skeptical, not sure if you really believe. Man, I'd encourage you to reconsider because coming to church doesn't get you a relationship with God. Being baptized doesn't get you a relationship with God. You can give all the money you want today. It's not going to help you get a relationship with God. You have to believe the gospel, the good news. It's that simple. Maybe you're here, and I know many of you are, and you're watching online, and you'd say, Chris, I've done that. I've already done that. I've, I've started a relationship with God. I've believed the good news. See, the mission that Jesus gave his disciples is the same mission that we have. Just, just as he told his disciples, hey, as you guys are going, as you're going fishing, as you're you know, going to the store, as you're going to different places, I want you to tell people the good news. I want you to tell people that I've died for their sin and they can have a relationship with God. I want you to tell everybody. He gives us that same mission. I mean, honestly, how selfish would you have to be to have the cure for cancer in your back pocket and keep it there? Like, that'd be pretty, pretty selfish, wouldn't it? To have the cure to cancer that all you have to do is just, just give it to people. And yet, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to it. He says, man, you got the cure. You, you got the cure to hopelessness. You got the cure to, to all these things. I just want you to tell people. I'm not, not asking you to save people. not asking you to do. I just want you to tell people the good news. And maybe you're there and, and you're saying, Chris, that's a, honestly, I know it sounds real simple and that, that whole cancer thing, you're trying to manipulate us to actually go do it. I get it. But it's actually harder than you think, Chris, to actually talk to somebody about this. It's a little intimidating. I get it. Here, let me tell you two ways and this is, then we're done. 
If, if you're serious about, hey, I, I'd, I'd like to be about sharing the good news with people. I just, couple, how, how would I do that? How would I get that out? I, one thing is real, real simple. Share your story. Nobody can argue with your story of how you became a follower of Jesus. Yesterday, I was at Lumberjacks with three guys, and we sat around the table at Lumberjacks, and every one of us took about five minutes, and we just shared our story of how we became followers of Jesus. And every single one of our stories was different, and here's what was cool. Nobody can argue with that. And so if you, you want to be about telling people, just, you don't have to know all the Bible verses. You don't have to be able to, just tell them your story. If you look in the app today in the sermon notes, you can click, there's a thing that says share your story or something. There's actually a form that will help you kind of put your story together. You can click on that and that'll kind of help you put your story together. We actually have some of those printed out at the next steps table too. If you're not like, I'm not really a techie, but I'd like to get that form. It'll help you kind of put your story or your testimony together. That, just share your story. The second thing you can do, and this is pretty easy, invite someone to church. You, you, you've invested in relationships, and, and just invite them to come to church. It's, it doesn't, you, you shouldn't pick one or the other. It's not like, well, I'm going to invite people to come to church, and I'm never going to talk to anybody myself, but I'll invite them to come to church and let my pastor do it. No, it's a, it's a both. Invite people to church. Pick up an invite card. Our invite cards on the front of them, if you can get past Luke's face on the front of them, and I know he's back there, uh, if you can get past that, it actually says no perfect people allowed. It tells our, the times where you, you know, come to church and stuff like that. Just pick up a couple of those, and if you're even scared, just leave them on the table when you leave a restaurant. Just invite somebody to church and share your story. See, our, our world, and you know this, our world, it's hurting. Some of us, man, we're hurting. Your friends at school, there's some of your friends that they're faking you out, but they're hurting. Some of the people you work with are hurting. Some of the people in your family, they're hurting. Some of you are, you're hurting. And man, man, we need hope. And because Jesus rose from the grave, we have hope to give people. And so share the story. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that we can look into history and we, we can look into history, not just biblical history, but other history. And, and we can see that on a Friday, your body was put in a grave. And on a Sunday, people went to that grave and your body was not there anymore. Lord, we, we can go and, and read the accounts from your followers, the same people that were so afraid to follow you the night you were betrayed and crucified, but yet gave their life not for something they believed, but for something they saw, a risen Savior. And Lord, I pray for us, if we are people that are followers of you, I pray that we would be about the same thing. That we would just look for opportunities to share the story of how you've worked in our hearts and how we became a follower of you. And Lord, I pray we would invite others to church. And Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray that today, even right where they're at, whether they're watching online or sitting in a pew here, that they would just 
right now just cry out to you and just admit to you that they've sinned. They've disobeyed you. And believe. Just simply believe that when you died on the cross and you rose from the grave, that you did that for them. And Lord, I pray that even in this place this morning that people would invite you into their life and that they would follow you. If you're here this morning and this morning you made a decision or you're watching online and you made a decision, if you're watching online, I'd encourage you to just just go to citywalk.cc. There's a little decision card there. Fill that out. We'd love to contact you and just... Just talk to you about your decision. If you're here this morning and you're, you're sitting here and you look right in front of you, there's a card that says, my decision. And if you made a decision this morning of some sort, would you fill that out? And you can take it to the next steps table. You can drop it in the offering basket. We'd just like to just contact you maybe once this week and just check in on you and, and just see if we can answer any questions for you. Lord, I thank you for an awesome Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.